Hello, everybody. It is Sunday morning. I am Cameron Miller, and this is Peace Talks. Or maybe it'll be something else, Marianne. We, to be decided, we will see. Uh, but for now, codename Peace Talks, Projects Peace Talks. I like codename. Codename. Uh, so this is our very first show, as you can tell by the name still being up in the air a little bit. Uh, and I am very thrilled to be joined by my co-host, teammate, uh, fellow ex- explorer, partner. partner, love it, Marianne Vari. Thanks so much. I'm so happy to be here. Thrilled to have you here. I want to talk a little bit about what we're doing here and uh, essentially with Peace Talks or whatever we call this thing, uh, I want to take time out of our normal routine to examine our shared and our personal experiences surrounding various contemporary issues. So we're going to bring on guests of all shapes and sizes from entrepreneurs to community leaders to content experts uh, so that we can explore the many countless angles of these complex issues that are facing our society today and look at how our identity fits into those and how our outlook fits into those and talk about you know the future and how we can make things better and have a have a have a strong society moving forward as we become real adults because at 2027 20, I still feel like I'm a, I'm a fake adult a little bit but hashtag fake adult <laughs> um but as all of us are becoming less fake adults, um, <laughs> actually very timely because our discussion today is actually about millennial psyche and the quarter life crisis that uh, people are experiencing. And a new study came out that was kind of all over the internet that showed that six out of 10 people in our generation are experiencing this, this quarter life crisis. So like an earlier life midlife crisis. Um, So we're going to dive into that and talk a little bit about that today. Um, But first, I want to introduce our first guest of this podcast, uh, somebody who is going to be able to add their perspective as a millennial, as a rabbi, as a DJ, as a religious entrepreneur, right? A father and my friend, Alex Kress. Thanks for having me. My new friend. Don't leave me out of it. That's true. That's true. Our friend, we bonded. Alex Cress. We happened. got it. Yeah, it is happening right now. Yeah, nice. So thrilled to have you here. Thanks, Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, honor to be here. Yeah, and this has been a pretty chaotic weekend for you too. So you're really squeezing us in. Yeah, it's been it's been fun. I was down in D.C. at a wedding last night yeah. and woke up first thing, came to hang out with you guys. And then after this, and you look be... so swanky today. I'm trying. You're just like, you know? you're my, like I'm my, ready to go. My Philly special shirt. Yeah, yeah. Might reside up in New York now, but you still got the Philly uh, in your Philly blood. Philly vibes. You know, <laughs> Philly boy at heart. Yeah, Philly boy, Philly vibes. You can take me out of Philly, but you can't take Philly out of me, you know? Nice. I like it. So I want to start this conversation off talking about midlife crises, quarter life crises. And uh, I want to start with a definition But then I want to have a conversation that kind of goes a lot of places. I want to talk about how we've experienced uh, quarter life or midlife crises in any way, how we've seen or not, um, how we've seen other people experiencing that or not. Uh, I want to examine a little bit where we think that comes from and talk about what we can do to make sure 
that we are going strong into the future, whether that's helping people get over this or or leveraging it to be uh, more self-actualized or whatever. We'll, we'll talk or about what we want. It. Yeah. People may not know. Right. So I want to talk about, I want to identify it, talk mm-hmm. a little bit about it, talk about the future. Um, but first, I wanted to start off by giving this definition that I found uh, sponsored by Wikipedia. Uh, a great news source. <laughs> bringing knowledge to the world. Uh, so so they, de- they define a, a midlife crisis this way. The phenomenon is described as a psychological crisis. Crisis? Crisis. Brought about by events that highlight a person's growing age, inevitable mortality, and possible shortcomings of accomplishments in life. This may produce feelings of depression, remorse, anxiety, or the desire to achieve youthfulness or make drastic changes to current lifestyle. So that's quarter, that's mid, or that's everything. I think that's every, that's that that's a definition of midlife crisis. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, and so I guess the assertion with this this article, which I can I can also tee up a little bit, um, or this this study is that people are experiencing that phenomenon, which has been classically in like the 40s and 50s or whatever, at a much younger age. And getting younger. And getting younger. Yeah. And so it's interesting, some of the stats that this this uh, article pitches. Um, so 53% of the people who were identifying themselves as having a quarter-life crisis um, are spending more than they earn. So there's a financial stressor for half of the people experiencing that. Um, and un- around a quarter of those people feel like they're struggling to find the right job. Um, and another quarter of those people find like they're, that feel like they're struggling to find the right relationship. Um, so there are a lot of different things that come into this. Um, so I want to start the discussion by asking, have you guys in your lives experienced this, this feeling of uh, sadness, remorse, feeling kind of lost and feeling very stressed because of the things that we've been talking about so far? Because I know I have. I've been feeling this since I was in high school. That's why this, that's kind of why I'm doing this podcast. I think there's a differentiation between the mortality piece of midlife crisis mm-hmm. and the millennial piece mm-hmm. of what is the thing driving it mm-hmm. in midlife crisis people are thinking holy crap i'm halfway through life i haven't done anything right i don't have that red corvette yet right yeah millennials don't have that i think millennial it's the right word Millennial depression mm-hmm. surrounding their lives. Millennial midlife crisis just doesn't work. And yeah. I don't think quarter life crisis works. I think people are trying to stack themselves up against other people. And instead of staying in their lane and caring about what they can control, they try to control things that are outside of that parameter. They can't be their best self when they're comparing themselves to everyone around them. And that's what millennials do. That's what social media has made us do. We can do nothing without posting it on Instagram. Did you see my eggs? They were so good. Hmm. I don't care about your (laughs) eggs. 
right? but now I'm yeah. gonna feel weird but, about my eggs. Yeah, but, now, but now, now, not just that. Now I feel like I have to post my eggs. Mm. Yes, and it's ridiculous. It's a crazy system that we've created, and you know, we need to take a step back and assess where are we as millennials. There's a lot of good we've brought to the world. We've inherited a lot of crap, but. We also need to focus inward more than we do currently. Mm -hmm. Um, We need to be more self-reflective. As a rabbi, that is what religion, to me, brings to the table. Uh, It gives you a structure to say, hold up, slow down, A, assess where you're at as a human, and B, here are a bunch of opportunities to think about others and to do good in the world. And millennials are running right past that. Yeah, They're running past the self-reflection, they're not thinking about where their social activism comes from. They're often more involved in slacktivism, the idea that posting something on Facebook is going to make a real change instead of actually doing. Yeah. And I think this generation below us that I had the privilege of witnessing in, in D.C. this weekend is really inspiring, right? They had an opportunity, one that they never should have had to begin with, right, um, with the Parkland shooting. And now... They're doing something with it. And I can't think of a time in which the millennial generation did that and or any generation above them, fair, you know, in mm. fairness. So I don't know. I mean, I just feel like the midlife crisis idea is fundamentally about us comparing ourselves to other people. Instead mm. of saying, where am I at in my life? I, if I compare myself to all my friends... I would think I was stupid because <laughs> I have really smart friends. Um, and I would think that, you know, what am I doing wrong? I already have a kid. Crazy. Mm. Nobody else has a kid. Right. Mm. Is that good or bad? I don't know. But is it a little ostracizing because our friend group doesn't have kids in it yet? A mm. little bit. Yeah. So that's a weird thing for me personally. Um, there's all different things. Do, do many of my friends make more money than me? Yeah. Right. Um, friends that went to school for five years at the end of that, am I comparing myself to other people based on their income? I think a lot of people do that perhaps because of social media again, but midlife crisis to me is, or sorry, to keep saying midlife yeah. crisis, quarter life crisis, whatever this millennial sense of, of angst surrounding. It feels like something definitively different to you. Well, because I think that mortality is a powerful driver that is not driving millennials. Millennials at 25 are not saying, hey, I'm about to die. Mm -hmm. Let me assess my life. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. But the thing that so so you're you're talking about it all being relative to other people that you're seeing today in the present, what they're doing. One one thing that does really resonate in that definition for me that I think still that I think still works is because I agree there is something fundamentally different because there's that later in life you're getting closer toward the end of your life and it's making you reflect. I think that one of the things that's happening here is that we end up seeing because of the internet that we may not ever get to have the experience of being the hero. We were we were told that we were special and we want to have some special purpose that will save the world. And we now can, because of the internet, see so much. We can see history. We can see what our 
parents and what the baby boomers achieved. And we can see uh, realistically what people can expect to achieve. And so, so in, in, the, in the article, there was the possibly shortcomings of, of accomplishments in life. So I think we have this feeling of a really high bar that we each need to do. We need to be the hero. We are special. And we recognize, so though we're not seeing like mortality coming up, we're seeing that we may never be the hero. As an individual, you may always still be feeling like you're not doing enough. And I think that we're in some ways recognizing that now um, instead of later in life. I mean, I wouldn't say it's so much the hero mm. because like I am so guilty of saying up until like maybe this year, every day was like a quarter life crisis for me. Mm. And that was a total overuse of the term, but I didn't know how else to describe what I was feeling and what I was dealing with. And that was mostly because everyone who's in the generation above asks you, what do you want to do with your life? Mm -hmm. And so I think there's also the perception of like, we have to have it figured out at between 20 and 29 mm -hmm. so that you know what direction you're going in. But I don't think that that necessarily has to be true. And that I've, I've only come to terms with in, I would say, the last year. Right. But up until then, I was like, oh, my God, there's so much pressure. I need to know, do I want to, what title am I going after? Where, when am I going to get married? All of these things. Because everyone's asking, what do you want to do? Right. And so I don't even know if it's so much of a hero. It's just like, what is your direction? And then they were expected to figure that out at this age. Right. And there's, and there's, and there's this, there's this delayed choice that we're we're given in this in this day and age people between like 18 and 25 are you know there's the there's a professional confusion that that didn't exist for prior generations around this time right well i think when we talk about millennials they really in us mm -hmm. we really inherited a, a culture of instant gratification that didn't exist before us mm -hmm. Technology has enabled us to expect everything immediately, whether that's the latest iPhone or a song downloaded or anything. And certain things in life don't come that way. Right. Your path doesn't come in two days shipping from Amazon. Right. Yeah. You have to find it yourself. Right. And it's a long journey to figure out what works for you. Totally. But we're not taught that. No. Which right. is what we need to be right. taught, which is what it's right. like. We need to be taught. You need to put in the work and you will eventually get there if you put in the work like the kids did for March for Our Lives. But without doing that, you know, we're just expecting, OK, I need to find the perfect job right after I graduate from wherever I'm graduating from. I think one of the things that having a child gives you is pers is a is a zoomed out perspective of the forest. Mm. And I think millennials myself included, have a difficult time looking at the forest as a whole instead of focusing on the tree that's right in front of me that day. Mm. Having a baby is an amazing, wonderful experience. That's a great perspective. To that really grounds you in what is important in life. As a person who could focus purely inwardly before mm. last May. Right. <laughs> uh, it was easy to be self-absorbed mm. and not thinking about others constantly and just thinking about myself and my path and where I'm going. And having a baby says, 
pause. You are not even remotely as important as you think you are. Mm. Your only job is to make sure this baby gets through the day and to care for them. And that perspective takes you out of the me, 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 instant gratification Mm. culture. Because now I get excited when she claps her hands. Right. Yeah. Right. That's not a big anything. Yeah. But wow, is that joy. Do you know joy when your daughter smiles at you, mm-hmm. right? So it puts in perspective when Apple has a release of something, and I'm like, I need that. I don't need that. Right. I just need Aria to clap her hands in front of me. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think part of this conversation about millennials getting depressed is external pressures. And when they realize what's really important in life like I'm not saying you know you should have a baby to fix your midlife crisis but <laughs> but I think looking at children being around children does give you a perspective that there's so much more to joy joy is not in material things right joy is in so much more than that it's in community yeah. and family and when we think of our lives as only being successful if we do X in our job or make this much money or have these many things or have the newest iPhone or whatever it is, the coolest clothes, the, the newest sneakers is what I see with a lot of teens now. Mm. They have like ridiculously expensive shoes. Yeah. I thought my $100 shoes in, in high school, they were like $80, Air Force Ones. They were like $80. <laughs> I was like, man, that's expensive. And now they're spending like $500 on sneakers in high school. Like, why? Right. That is and they're measuring against each other if they have the shoes or not. And so for me, it's, it's really, we all societally need to take a step back and, and refocus what is important, what makes us happy. Right. Because so much of what we think makes us happy does not. Mm -hmm. So you you just, you touched on a lot of things right there. I think the one thing that I want to kind of go back to for me, when we're talking about, the instant gratification, the need for things to happen immediately. I think, well, we need to teach patience. It's this, it's this. And slowing down. And slowing down. <laughs> Might be the title. Hashtag. <laughs> hashtag slowing down. Uh, put it in the comments if you like slowing down as the title or crowdsource this. Team Marianne. <laughs> what it really is. So you'll comment, then I'll comment. Mm-hmm. And we'll go from there. Yeah. <laughs> My mom might comment. Yeah. My mom's definitely going to comment. But I, Your but mom I might agree. comment peace talks, though, I'm just saying. She might. No. She might. <laughs> I mean, peace, patience, it makes sense. But I agree that patience is something that isn't taught. I do think that along those lines, there is always going to be some element of social comparison as you're growing up, because I think that's what school is. And you kind of almost need that to just like figure out who you're going to be. Um, I think coming from, so like I went to an undergrad where everybody was pre-med and when you're pre-med, your whole like 10 years of your life yeah. are planned out. And so for me, who honestly came in as pre-med, but then changed, cause that's not what I wanted to do. It was very interesting for me to sit back and be like, okay, well, all of my friends have their lives figured out. What do I do? And then I was doing the social comparison. And I think there's an element of learning to not compare and think to yourself, okay, that's not my journey and having the patience to kind of like take a minute and chill out and realize that you don't have to have that plan for the next 10 years of your life. Yeah. Which I don't know is taught in schools. Yeah. It's also hard. 
it's in our face all the time all at the this time. point. And 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 both levels. So to the extent that I'm I want to separate out there's the social comparison part and then there's like the mythology of what your life should be part influencing you and and both of those kind of work together to make us feel like we need to be x y or z we should be x y or z by x y or z point um you know it but i will just say they're becoming indistinguishable because on social media, people aren't posting their real lives. Right. They're posting the mythology of their lives that makes people right. think right. everything's sure. perfect. I don't post pictures of my right. daughter crying. Yeah. You only see Arya smiling. Right. And so when you only see Arya smiling, you're like, oh man, parenthood. That's Kate. a good point. Yes. So they are they are literally happening together now because yeah. people are putting out a narrative that is very positive. And I think that's I think that's probably impacting people a little bit younger than us as they are in their adolescence mm -hmm. in intense ways that we are at this point a little bit farther ahead, maybe a little more self-confident to be able to handle that a little bit. Um, but we're still so impacted by it, but they're impacted by it hugely. Um, but so, so I think it's, it's easy to say, you just got to start, you just got to stop comparing yourselves to other people. You got to know what's important in life. But if it were that easy, we would be beyond it. Right. And so I, I, I want to figure out, what is it that we can do to help people actually reframe their lives, actually, you know, interpret their narratives in a different way that allows them to feel calm, joy, productive, um, and move forward with confidence for the best for everybody. And for me, it comes back a lot to, um, I'm, I'm, I feel pretty critical at this point in my life of like individualism. You know, I, I understand how motivating individualism is and and people who are innovative are, uh, you know, uh, can can say can source that like competitiveness that comes from individualism. It's it's why in some ways America has worked right. There's that competitiveness, the, the free market and all that jazz. Um, but at this point, I think it's more important or it's all in balance, but it's very important for us to recognize ourselves as part of a collective, too. And because, it, you know, one individual isn't going to stop the environment from degrading. Right. We together, as we see ourselves as part of a society, as we reframe our perspective to understand ourselves as part of you know, the human team, team humanity, uh, I think that we'll be better at seeing ourselves in context, feeling better about ourselves and moving forward and moving forward with, with our, with toward the right goals. But again, that comes from society, I think. What do you mean? I, because I think that if we are growing up and even in this age of being millennials and in our 20s and whatever and figuring it all out, if it's like I'm figuring it out, but I'm figuring it out in my time and I don't have it all figured out, mm -hmm. but I'm working towards it and I'm doing it and things are happening. Like we're not, we're not sitting back being lazy, which I think is the difference right. between what maybe people perceive millennials to be. Is they're just like complaining all the time. They're not mm -hmm. doing what they need to do. But it's also you're not really working towards the goal per se. Like I don't really like goals because I think I think that you know it's putting an unexpected but also expected pressure on yourself that if you're not achieving that goal within a certain amount of time that you're a failure. 
no, like you'll get to it at some point in your time, but you don't have to like put this added pressure of like, oh, if I'm not, you know, CEO of some company by the time I'm 35, I have nothing to live for. Mm. And that comes from like all of us reframing the topic as we're doing it. We don't have to have that time limit. Like we don't, we don't know what we're going to do. We got to be patient. We got to slow down. It's a quality over quantity that we need to be focusing on. And it's really hard to do that. Yeah. In synagogue life, we focus so much on numbers, right? Mm. How many people of our membership actually show up instead of reflecting on the quality of our programming? How amazing was the program that 13 people showed up for? Right. Yeah, we have 900 families, but yeah, 13 people had a really great experience. Why was that? How can we replicate it for other people? Yeah. And that sense of... We need numbers. We need goals. We need output. Impact. To be or no, uh, measurable output is the right impact. word. Actually, output is the right yeah. word for yourself. Measurable output to be successful instead of all of the things that should matter. Right. For me, the lens I look at this and the reason I've grown so in love with Judaism is that it offers so many stops along the trajectory of a year to slow down Mm -hmm. to reflect yeah and to be with your family and your friends together and those things socialize you to recognize what's important and i think that is one of the values of religion in our society today that that millennials are skipping over and it's a huge barrier to get them back in because yeah. they're not coming back into a community they're familiar with. It's always been the case. The, the entry point back into religion is often when you have a kid. Yeah. Right? But millennials right now need religion or need... They need something com- to believe in. They need, they need something communal. Mm-hmm. Instead of the, the individualism that is deteriorating much of our social fabric in America. Yeah. The me, me, me culture, I need it right now. Instead of thinking long term, thinking big picture, thinking about what's actually important, I think this conversation about millennial life crises is going to be a really, really dangerous topic when we're actually midlife. Mm. And millennials realize I didn't do anything I cared about for f- the past 30 years. I didn't do anything that made me happy. And now I'm the CEO and I'm not happy. Mm. I, I yeah. society told me this is where I was supposed to get and that when I got here I'd be happy I worked 100 hour weeks to get here and now I'm here looking around it sucks what happened to those 30 years they're gone I can't get them back and that quarter life crisis isn't going to be a red Corvette it's going to be deep depression yeah. if we don't fix it amongst our cohort quickly because right. we're getting there right definitely we're on the way we're almost 30 yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are. All, we are indeed almost thirty. Yeah, we old. It's a hop, skip, and a jump. It is. When I hear when I hear you predicting what we're going to experience at that point, though, it sounds like what everybody else has experienced in midlife crisis. And there's a little bit of me that you know that that feeling of what did I do with the last thirty years? How was that important? And I, I almost feel like we're in a different position because we are already saying, I, th- I think that people are saying right now, 
they're seeing that happening in the future. They're saying, how am I going to, to in the next 30 years, make sure that I am doing something that I want to be doing. And so I think that they're having this like, this, this prediction that they will experience that. And then they have anxiety now because they're seeing that it's possible that I'm not doing what I want to be doing. I think that, I think that people actually are a bit in touch more than they used to be with, with what, that, that they want to be doing things that are important to them. But I think that we don't know what's important to us. I think that a lot of people aren't taking that time to reflect, to sit down, to be part of a community that can help them figure it out. And so that's kind of what the goal is for me with this project, right? With this experiment is having those conversations. And, and I've, 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 as I plan this, I go back a lot to that I grew up a Christian. I was I raised in a, a Christian community and and really loved it. And I source my moral backbone to that. Um, even love of music, right? Like I started singing music in in church and that has been with me for my whole life. Um, and and being introspective and thinking. But I also, I no longer am a Christian. I, I, I'm just not. And I miss that community. I miss that opportunity to sit down and have conversations like this. So I'm hoping that through projects but like th but this. Let me, let me pause you there. Because yeah, of course. this conversation is not a church conversation. Mm -hmm. That's not the conversation that happens at church. Sure. Well, I don't know what church is. <laughs> That's not the conversation that happens in, in religious walls, in my opinion, right? Right. But religious yeah. conversations are some aspect of wrestling with the religion you're a part of. Yeah. Right. Asking questions. Does God exist? Those right. kind of questions, right? Theological, philosophical. Great. Mm. The more important conversations that happen to me mm -hmm. are when we are checked, when we are put in check by our religion. Whether that be something we come across, like in Leviticus, when we see LGBTQ people singled out, can't do it, it's, a, it's an abomination. Mm -hmm. What is our check on that? Our, my check is, you're wrong. <laughs> Bible, you are wrong on this one. Right. You are super outdated. But I have a, an emotional reaction to it that I can be like, I, I know what I feel, mm -hmm. right? Wrong. Sometimes, though, it's in the positive right? Moses, our greatest leader, is also super humble, mm -hmm. right? He doesn't want to be the leader of the people. He's like, I'm not worthy of that. So what does that say to us? The great Moshe Rabbeinu is what we call him. Like Moses, our greatest rabbi, our greatest father, is the most humble. Right. And we need to think about that, about personally, right? That's an example of when the Torah is like, man, you think you're humble or maybe you're too prideful? Slow your roll. Moses is the humble. You should be like Moses, not in the great leadership. Or Kendrick Lamar. Yeah, exactly. S sit down. <laughs> Everyone knows that. what I'm saying. You guys definitely sit know Sit down and be saying. humble. <laughs> nice. I was, sing I was singing that on the train down to D.C. this it's, week. Listen, <laughs> that, there's a reason why that song was so popular. People need to sit down and be humble. You guys yeah. need to do a podcast about how that album plays going one way versus the other. It's amazing. <laughs> I noted. It is amazing. <laughs> anyway, so so 
religion puts us in check. It, it asks us questions about ourselves, about where we are as a society. And I think that that is the value of it, right? Is right. it's people telling you something you don't want to hear, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, and I don't get that from anywhere else. There is nowhere else currently. And maybe you're building it, which is right. cool. And you, and that's the question is how do we, how do we accept being put in check saying, mm -hmm. pause, you need, you're not doing this to the best of your ability. You're too X, you're too Y, and you need to be more right in the middle. You need to balance yourself. And for me, religion offers us that opportunity. You're not mm -hmm. working too much. You're not being leisurely too much. You're right in the middle, right? right. You have six days of work. You get one day off, do it again. Mm -hmm. Right. And then some days we have special holidays that say like Passover is coming up for us. Where's oppression in the world? Where's slavery in the world? That is a, a question that weighs on us every year because there's so much of it. And if you just stopped celebrating Passover, if Jews just stopped celebrating Passover, there's nothing in the calendar that says, hey, you were once slaves. You know what that's like. Go fight it in the world. Yeah. If you're just a Jew, a cultural Jew that leaves that aspect to the side and you're like, I just love Barbara Streisand. <laughs> you don't get it anymore. Yeah. Right. I just sure. love bagels. You don't get it anymore. I do love bagels, but that's part of it. You also need to have the part that challenges you. Yeah. And that's the that's the hard part, I think, of building a communal institution, not around religion. It's just like, OK, we can build community. Right. That's what the goal of this project. Mm hmm. It's not saying don't have religion. It's just saying we're bigger than that. We're we have bigger goals than that. Mm. But then how do does whatever that vision is for you, how does it put people in check? Because that is the most important thing that that a, to me yeah. millennials need right now. Yeah. So you think there is a hubris problem too. One of many. What? Of <laughs> yeah. No, no. Yeah. It's not. It's not just hubris. It's uh, so humility is not necessarily thinking too much of yourself, right? Being a humble person is knowing your place in the world, right? Not being. Not not thinking of yourself lowly. Right. I think humility is often misdefined as thinking of yourself lowly, like I'm not worthy, right? Mm -hmm. But humility is really knowing your place in the world. And Moses, to go back to this example didn't think didn't know his place in the world he's actually a great example for millennials because the when we meet him he doesn't know what's well we meet him in the river so let's go fast forward a little <laughs> bit when we meet the the moses that doesn't want to take on the responsibility that is millennials we don't know our path we're insecure about the next step we don't want to take that first step in a direction that we're, that is unknown to us. Mm -hmm. We just want to do what everyone else tells us we're supposed to do, X, Y, and Z, right? And so that, to me, makes perfect sense. Eventually, Moses becomes Moses. Perhaps even after his life does he become like that, you know, right. Charlton Heston. <laughs> <laughs> um, but millennials can learn from that. Millennials can take that and say, you know what? Yes, I don't know what I'm doing, and I am scared to take the first step forward. But you have to take the first step forward, right? That is the most important thing towards success. You can't be successful staying where you are. So take that first step. It's risky. And maybe you're going to pivot. Maybe you're going to go in a different direction entirely. But if we look at Moses, you're going to be very successful. <laughs> Just be I like Moses. You know what I'm saying? It seems. I think there's also an element of forgiving yourself for not having 
for going through yes. all of this. You know, Definitely. and you know, you can during your day not have accomplished or succeeded or whatever you think it is, but being like, okay, start again tomorrow. Like I'm going through this hard time. I'll get through it. It'll be okay. Which I don't know if I but mean. But it's okay to mess up. Right. Right. Exactly. Another lesson from Moses. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> it's all okay. I've I've hashtag millennial Moses. Who is millennial Moses? That would be impressive. That would it's Emma already. Gonzalez, guys. Oh, also, she's not a millennial. Uh, Man, I wish I could claim her. We we, we could. <laughs> she's the best. Uh, we could have we can have models that are that are older, I and mean, we can we can younger. Yeah. Oh, sh- y- younger. She's a she's the March for Our Lives leader. One Got of it. Them. Okay. So yeah. that's Emma Gonzalez, who is that's her name, March. Right? Yeah. Got it. Cool. You're making me second guess myself, Ken. No, so know. I was gonna say, I think their generation, because she's not a millennial, right? No, she's yeah, because next... she's like just yeah. Generation Z. I don't know. I think they don't have a problem speaking their mind. I think that's the kind of thing that they're growing up through. I don't want to speak for them. I don't know, but I think they're encouraged to discuss these issues and be very upfront and honest about how they're feeling in the moment. Which I think, like, we were kind of maybe stuck in the middle of like, yeah, we want to speak our mind, but we don't know what to do with that. Which I think maybe a little bit of what you're talking about is like the action part. Like they're actually saying it and then doing it, and we're just kind of like saying it, but then we're like, now what do we do? There's mm-hmm. an interesting idea in Judaism that we accepted the commitment. We will do, and then we will hear. We will do, and then we will hear. Right. So usually you would say you would never do that. You're like, no, no, I need to hear before I yeah. act. Right. But there's this idea that you don't truly understand until you act. Right. Sure. It's called not yeah. save and nishma. We will do, and then we will listen. It's weird. It sounds backwards, but it's actually pretty deep. Mm. That through action do you understand more, and that's why taking that first step is so hard because we want to hear first. We want to know what's going to happen. We want to know our path. You want to feel secure in, front in your of decisions. Us. We want our Google Maps to tell us exactly where we're going before yeah. we leave. And totally. not until you actually take that first step. Do you get any direction? Right. You have to be, you have to, you know, like Marianne said, you have to accept failure mm-hmm. as part of the journey. And yeah. you can't have your journey without failure. It makes us stronger, it makes us better, but also it's human. It is what happens. You have to fail to get to the next step. Yeah. That resonates with me with this this project because I have had no idea what I'm doing, but and and it's been I've I've had notes that go back like two years that are ultimately leading to this, and I was trying to hear so much and trying to figure out you know who's going to tell me to do this right who's going to tell me yeah Cameron go and like start a podcast where you talk about introspection and stuff. But nobody did it. Like that's the thing. There's nobody telling you. And so in this in this case, I wanted to do that. But it's also but it's also in, so I needed to do that. I needed to act and then figure out as it went. However, I think that this is one of those many paradoxes in life that we need to reconcile because in this in this context, I appreciate that very much. You just gotta go for it. You gotta try things. Just do it, like and Nike. Then, you're right. You got. You just got a Nike. 
Just got people, a Nike. I don't think people say that, but you just yeah, got a Nike. We can start it. I you like just it. got a Nike. Hashtag just got a Nike. But it's different than like doing it and not thinking. Like these are things that we're thinking about. Like, oh, I really wish I could do this one day. Like I really wish I could start a podcast. Right. So There's you gotta take risks. Just doing it. Right. Just do it. But on the other hand, making sure that you aim before you shoot. Is is important. You don't shoot the name. You aim then shoot. And so there is this aspect of you know being deliberate and being thoughtful, and being planned. And I think this goes back to the patience thing because you need you need 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 to slow down. Slow down. Yeah. You can't just react to everything. Yes. Right. If you're just reacting, then it's not going to be productive. You need to step back. You need to consider all of the variables that influence whatever it is you're thinking about, whether it's a personal issue or a world issue, a contemporary issue. You need to take a second to step back and think about it from all different angles. You have to challenge yourself before you formulate an opinion or or more importantly, project an opinion. Right. And so I think I think it's I think you're there's so much wisdom in that but there's also this other side of it and so teaching people how to be nuanced about when is it important to just go for it understand that the world is ambiguous and no one is going to tell you to act so you just need to do and then go figure it out later versus when do you need to make sure you are slowing your roll and make sure that you are thinking about everything enough before acting. And so I think that's a really hard balance that people are struggling with. I I definitely think it's something people are struggling with. Again, you know, I'm I'm so immersed in Judaism mm-hmm. that for me religious frameworks provide that. Right. Provide both ends of it. Mm-hmm. They give you a swift kick in the ass when you need it, but they also tell you how many human struggles that we come across are eternal. Yeah. Why can we still read the Bible? And of course, you know, Leviticus, what the Cohens are doing in the temple, seemingly irrelevant most of the time, right? But even in there, do we pull out meaning for, to, for our lives today? What does it mean to be holy, to act holy, to do mm-hmm. holiness, to bring holiness into the world, right? And those questions are eternal. Yeah. When we don't stop, when we don't have something to stop us and say, slow down, look, this is what's been going on for thousands of years. We've been asking the same question and dealing with the same struggles for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. There's something really rich about that that connects us not just to our commu- our religious community, our broader community, but to a community in time. And humans have so many eternal, perpetual struggles that we always deal with. And that, to me, is why this question about millennials being in religion is obvious. Yes, of course they should. Millennials should come back to religion. I don't care if you believe in God. I don't care what you believe. But the framework Mm -hmm. is a check. The framework is a slow down, a stop button. And it provides both sides of the coin of what you just said. It provides the inspiration to go do. And it provides the, the comfort when you need it. Yeah, of course. We've been struggling with this forever. You know, you don't have to do anything differently. Just look. Thousands of years ago, we dealt with this same problem. Yeah. 
And that is grounding to me Mm -hmm. that I'm not alone, right? I'm not alone in my struggle in X, Y, or Z. And, and also for thousands of years, our people, our Jewish people I'll talk about have needed a kick to go do something. Mm -hmm. And Judaism has provided that. And so millennials in whatever faith tradition you come from, or if you don't come from one where whatever the community that you kind of grew up around whether that's a nuclear fa- a big nuclear family or something like that you got to go back to those roots and mm-hmm. assess what can i take from this and if i need to pivot to something else to a different communities to somewhere else how do i get the things that i got how do i get the music right that i yeah. got from church growing up am i still singing as much as i used to how do i get the moral backbone that I used to get in church. Do I still get that from somewhere or is it just my Facebook feed? Hmm. And if it's just your Facebook feed, that is a huge issue, right? Because we all know the problems with the algorithm and seeing and being in an echo chamber and all that stuff. For me, religion offers us the opportunity to do everything we're talking about here, Mm. to challenge us, to give us comfort, to give us a kick in the ass. Yeah. For, it gives us the space to ask eternal questions. And gives you a sense of purpose, gives you context for your life. And more importantly, I think for me, it gives you community. Mm-hmm. It's the thing that's lacking. And I'll be honest with you, I don't feel like I have my community right now. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, it's professional. I've only been in my place for eight, nine months now. So it's not mine yet. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes many years to build that. And I think that is the that's the hard part for millennials is the, it's the hurdle. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't want to do something I can't get instant gratification from. I don't want to build something over the course of five years. I want a community right now. And the reality is you can't get a community right now, Mm -hmm. right? It's, you can't look at one tree and say, I want to be, you know, focus on one tree and not the forest and say, I want community now. No, it takes a long time to build a forest. Mm -hmm. It takes a long time to zoom out and understand perspective and, Millennials are going to get to that midlife crisis and be like, I don't have community. Mm. I don't have fulfillment. I don't have X, Y, and Z. And when we get there, it's going to be a problem. And I hope we can stop that tide from happening and say, come in now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When something happens in your, when a bad thing happens in your life and you have no community. Then where do you go? Where do you go? I mean, I agree. I'm not religious and we've talked about this, but this is why I bring up my belief in like vibes which you can totally roll your eyes at i am not offended (laughs) astrology yes i believe it's a belief system in a greater power and so i think it's very similar to what you're talking about but i think that gives me the confidence that if i'm having a really shitty day it's like okay i just feel like i'm not gonna make big decisions tonight it's just not my day go to sleep it'll be better in the morning and i think that is what people are missing is that like self-awareness that there's greater things going on which could become from religion or vibes in the universe and astrology whatever it is or podcasts or podcasts or communities built around podcasts or kendrick albums past those or vibes. kendrick or yeah. actually boys because they also knew what they were talking about millennium is a great cd <laughs> um, so good. it's a classic so i feel i agree i think having that belief system that something is greater than you is something that's missing from a lot of people our age if god only knew yes Yes. <laughs> yes. I agree wholeheartedly. And that's and that's I think that these are the things that I've been thinking about, which is why I'm doing this. 
And you're killing it. Hey, thank you. Um, for me, the biggest hurdle, and I think it's going to be a big hurdle for everybody when we're talking about, the, for a lot of people, for when we talk about the religion conversation, is that I could never, I, unless you have a faith community that's willing to say to me very explicitly, it's okay that you don't believe in God and we're going to remove the dogma as we talk about it to you, I'm never going to be able to be comfortable there. I, I will never be I'll able to I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> well, but <laughs> we don't have that shit. Come on over. Come on over. <laughs> but no, but the thing, I, I totally hear that, but I think what you find when you dive into religion is that all the things you don't believe, no one believes. But but then we need to say it explicitly. I, I, I don't, do. I, don't, I just did. I know you did. But Yeah, but, but you're not but like the, the rest. So I, I agree but, in that like, and this, I can't speak for what you're like, a church like structure or the way that I grew up and what I was more or less forced to do right. when I was young was believe in this thing that I didn't understand. And I think when you don't understand that because you're growing up and you're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to, what? I don't know. Is there a guy? I don't know. Um, is something that they don't talk like, and that could just be we're very speaking from specific. Situations. We all are. We all are. We totally. should. We should name that. We're yeah. all very specific. Yeah. Of trying not, not to generalize this, but we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of. It's hard not to. I mean, everybody's I everybody's you. experience is going to be you know totally unique, but there yes. are trends, right? So I'll just tell you that for Jews, um, the idea of Israel. The word Israel, Yisrael in Hebrew, El means God. And Yisra is translated different ways, perhaps persevere, um, but it's often translated in a generous way mm. into wrestle, mm. so that you are wrestling with God. Mm. Which means to me, right, and it comes from the story of Jacob wrestling with an angel of God in the Torah, in the Bible. That idea is fundamental to the work that I do. Not just the idea of wrestling with God, but the idea of wrestling with faith, community, religion, everything it has to offer. It's not easy, right? And somebody once told me, and I, I just love the quote, Judaism isn't supposed to be easy. When you allow things that are fundamental to your life to be easy, what does that say about the kind of life you're trying to live? If you're not being challenged by your community to learn more, to be better, to think about others, what's the point, right? And I think that that's my concern about the trajectory we're on. If in 20 years we sit down at a table again and reconsider the millennial midlife crisis when it's actually a midlife crisis, right? my concern is that we're going to realize that we didn't put effort into the things that matter and could blossom into something beautiful that we only cared about those instant gratification things that we're only getting right now. And then they're passing, you know, the things that you throw out along the way of life. Community is not one of those things. Religion is not one of those things. Family friendships. Those are not those things. And we need to put more time into them. Yeah. So, so let's, let's, let's talk about that looking forward into the rest of our lives for ourselves as individuals, for ourselves as people who are parts of communities and want to build communities. Um, 
what are some of our takeaways? I mean, this and and let's be so clear that this is an exploration, right? Like this is the and exp- a conversation <laughs> and the conversation. We don't know what we're talking about. Well, well, well we're <laughs> we're going to be grappling with this for the rest of our lives, forever, forever. This is this is our lot. This is the conversation that we're going to be having forever. And so maybe. Maybe that's the takeaway, right? Yeah. That's the, the the takeaway is let's have these conversations. For for me, the, and be the patient because it's yes. you're saying like be patient. We will have these conversations forever. We're not. We don't have a solution. You're always gonna feel like this because yeah. this is what society is right now. Right. And and but it's okay. And life's not easy. You know, Judaism yeah. isn't easy. Life's not easy. Being part of religion's a, not easy. Re, religion's not easy. Being a part of a community isn't easy you know, going through life, just life isn't easy. And so, but, but we all are okay. in it together and that's okay. Right? right. So you don't need to be, you don't have to have self-hatred and self-loathing because you feel like you're not, a, you're not enough succeeding. Like you're not enough. Right. The, the trance of unworthiness, um, you, everybody is going through this together. And so, we need to see ourselves as a part of that collective, whether your community is your church community or I guess your country or to me, preferably a community of humans, everybody on this planet, because we're all in this together. Um, we need to just all be having that conversation. We all need to be patient and we all need to identify with those collectives and communities. Totes agree. Any parting words before we move toward uh closing this thing out last thoughts i think if i had to hope for our generation it would be a hope that we could get past ourselves and see the greater good for community there's a great jewish story in which a rabbi set out to change the world and then he realized he couldn't change the world so he tried to change his country and so much time is going on until he realizes this right and then he realizes he can't even do that so he tries to change his community Mm. years go by realizes he can't even change his community so he starts changing his family another few years go by still can't change his family and he realizes that if he had started with himself Mm -hmm. if he had started with introspection Mm -hmm. then maybe he could have changed his family and if he changed his family then maybe he could have changed his community yeah and then maybe he could have changed the country and the world and I think that we are at a time when we need that introspection as millennials. We need to pause, as we've been saying over and over and over again, from the frantic life, from crazy social media that is that we are slave, slaves to, right? And it's not just social media. It's time in general that we mm-hmm. feel a slave to. And we need to say what's important to us. And those things we need to focus on. And sometimes we can focus on them by ourselves, but sometimes we need a community structure to help us focus on them and focus inward. For me, that's Judaism. And I think, you know, everyone has their own sets of checks and balances that work for them. Mine happens to be the faith I grew up in. You are an exploratory person looking through all kinds of faiths, right? But I still think there's something deeply rooted in you that is Christian, Mm. that is inherently Christian. Mm. Maybe not the social structure that has become post-Christ Christendom. Right. But you can still look at stories about Jesus and be inspired. Sure. 
right? Not right. the not the mythic Jesus, the Jesus in the stories, right? Right, as yep. a character, like wow, that's inspiring. Yeah, and that's how we look at the Bible. It's a storybook, right? Totally. And I think we can look at all of those things and really, as millennials, refocus so that in twenty years we don't have that that really dangerous yeah. midlife crisis. We we have the ability to change ourselves. And our families and our communities and our everything, our friend groups. But we need to start now with us. And if we don't start now with us, we're setting ourselves up for failure. Yeah, I think my ending thoughts would be I'd let I wish for my generation, for millennials, for our generation, that we're more appreciative and we practice gratitude. I think whatever mm. you're going through, whatever you've been through, whatever you might go through, it's all experience. And if we appreciate that for what it is. Things don't seem as bad. Mm. Yeah. I think my 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 last thing is I, I really I'm stuck on the Kendrick Lamar comparison. I think that's actually really relevant and powerful because You're welcome. <laughs> because that's an instance of like something in modern culture that is happening and is forcing people to hear that lyric to think about that and so these things do exist and so to the extent that we can draw those connections and be noting you know that that story uh, you know a, a story coming from judaism is linked to a concept that kendrick lamar is spreading that's great because that can be a bridge that we can build to people who otherwise may not you know have access to these kind of conversations and concepts so thank you very much alex for joining marianne um one thing that i want to always end these conversations on um there's just so much there are so many good stories so many albums you know so many things out in this world right and we're not all going to be able to see everything on netflix and visit every cool place um is there something that you could share that has been inspiring you recently a book a new recipe place you visited. Ooh, a recipe, that'd be cool. I know, right? No pressure on the recipe. But if there's something that, you know, some media or otherwise that you have been inspired by or just reading or enjoying recently that you can share a little bit about really briefly uh, with our audience. Yeah, absolutely. There's a book I'm reading. I'm not all the way through, but I am inspired. I actually sent you an excerpt from yeah, it the right. other day called The Sabbath World by Judith Shulevitz, and it is an exploration of the Sabbath uh, in, in an idea um, as a day of rest and mm -hmm. where that comes from and the seven-day week that was kind of a an innovation of biblical religion. Um, that book has really exposed the idea that we are slaves to time, that we are always expected to be somewhere at some time. We're expected to do tasks as efficiently as possible. One of the things I can't get out of my mind as a new father is that idea that she writes about that instead of feeding the baby until the baby's full, we're like, how quickly can we feed the baby? Can we feed the baby in five minutes? Like, well, no, you feed the baby as long as it takes to feed the baby. And there's so there's not tasks like that in our world anymore. It's like, well, it takes this amount of time to do this instead of something that changes. Right. And we need to focus more on those things that give us freedom within time. Mm. To me, one of them is Shabbat. It takes me out of the rhythm of the week. And that's why I'm so enjoying this book that's 
<laughs> that exposes my my slavery in time. Yeah. Um, but I highly recommend it because it's so self-reflective. How do I spend my week? How do I spend those precious hours of my week? Am I a slave to something that I'm not even realizing? Am I a slave to the idea of efficiency? The answer mm. for me is yes. Definitely yes, yeah. 100%. I won't even like go back out to get something if I just drove past it. You right, know what yeah. I mean? Like I'm, I, I can't. Mm. I'm, I'm totally a slave to that. And I think that that is part of the conversation we're having now of millennials are ingrained with yeah. that slavery to time. Mm-hmm. And we need to break it. We need yeah. to break that chain. We could do a whole episode and a whole conversation on that. So... Uh, let's have you back real soon and let's talk about that then. Continue the convo. Thank you very much for joining us. Oh, I don't get to share last thoughts? Oh, or a a book or a book or a share? Well, I wanted to share a quote. Go for it. Just because I thought of it and I'm pretty sure it's luck is when preparation meets opportunity. We all know that quote, right? No, we don't know that quote. That's fine. (laughs) Pretty sure that's what it is though. Cool. I think it was my senior. Say it again. Luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Ooh, cool. What I like about that is there's a little bit of you doing the work, but it's also what's coming into your universe, your space, your life at that moment. So it's like you don't look at someone and like, oh, my God, they're so lucky. They made so much money. They're whatever. They have the perfect life. Do the work and like have hope that things are going to work out. Awesome. Good vibes. And and take advantage of opportunities where they come. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we hope that you take some time to slow down take opportunities where they come, reflect, act when, you know, when things are ambiguous and you need to start and take action, yet also take that time to reflect before you react. Uh, Many thanks, special thanks to Ashanta Douglas for letting us take over her apartment on a Sunday morning. Uh, Thank you to Colin Miller. Thank you to Tyler Sherman for their production. Thanks to Alex. Thanks to Marianne. And we will see you next time. And I don't have a clue I'm gonna make it through. Should I be trying something new? Special shout out to Chrono Uke for letting us use music Chrono. in the... God damn it. It's your friend's band. <laughs> Chrono Uke. To Chrono Uke for them letting us use music in the intro. Check out their new album on Bandcamp, Radical Rejection. Thanks to Chrono Uke. Chrono Uke. To Chrono Uke.